Hi, this is Lynn Chen. I write a blog called The Actor's Diet, and it's called that because I'm an actor, and I'm obsessed with food, and this is my podcast. This is episode one of The Actor's Diet. Um, it's sort of a work in progress. I sort of just threw it together last minute because I wanted to. I just sort of felt like I needed to start talking and sharing a lot of um, the experiences I was having just because I meet a lot of very interesting not only actors but people in the food industry and I just wanted to share their stories and share our conversations with all of you. So this is a new format for me and I hope you'll enjoy the ride. Um, My first episode is actually inspired by another podcaster, actor. His name is Paul Gilmartin. He has a podcast called The Mental Illness Happy Hour, which I was a guest on. And you probably recognize him as a stand-up comedian and as the host of Dinner and a Movie for many, many years. Uh, But today we are going to talk about food and life and other kinds of things. And Tune in later on for a little segment called Eat My Food that um, is basically my way of getting other people to eat food that I get for free on my blog. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that, and I'll talk to you again later. Enjoy. I'd be really interested to hear from you about what your family food history look like because you just described your family as dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if you guys did sit around the table if like that whole ritual existed in your family or were you like many other families where they you know kids grab were latchkey kids and they no 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 there was dinner time there was dinner time my dad was home on a and this is this is why for the longest time I thought oh I had a I had a great childhood, and there were many things about my childhood that were great. I never wanted for food. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had a bike. Um, I was, you know, allowed to go be a kid. You know, explore the woods with my friends. Um, they came to my baseball games, um, but there was. Um, what was your original question? It was whether or not what, oh, did what the, dinner. What, what, was dinner what did like? it look like? Like what did the, what did the rituals around food look like? It, it were they very traditional? Were they? My mom, you know, which was typical back then, did did all of the cooking, and she was she was an okay cook, and there were she was always trying to get us to eat healthier than we wanted to. Mm-hmm. She was always a health nut. Like people would come by our house, um, like friends of mine, and they say, "Yeah, what do you have to eat?" And it, I wish I could do, put a montage together of people's faces when I showed them what dessert looked like in tell our me, family. Tell me what dessert looked like. Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> like my mom was kind of ahead of the curve in terms of like healthy snacks. Back then it was like, oh, my mom made sesame bars. And they'd be like, <laughs> what the fuck is a sesame bar? I remember a friend of mine from my Wait, base. Wait, where, where was this that you grew up? In Chicago, okay. south suburbs of Chicago. I remember a friend of mine came over... Um, and he was very excited because he was getting to stay for spaghetti. Uh-huh. And he's eating the spaghetti and he's like, who the fuck puts celery and carrots <laughs> my in mom. spaghetti? That's, my mom was always <laughs> trying to... Puree s- it? No. Oh, chunks no, of it. She was 
is like very and, obvious. Yes. It's funny. Um, so like if we got to have Burger King or pizza, mm-hmm. those were our two... You know, maybe once every two months, we maybe once every three months, we get to have a night of that. Did you like that? Oh, it was like euphoria. Is it still euphoria, or is that not Burger King so much, but pizza? I still get okay. excited like a kid when when I eat pizza. I I, I don't um, really eat like Burger King or McDonald's anymore. I eat In and Out, and mm-hmm. I love I love In and Out, but. Um, yeah, there's still a, and there was never any like Hostess Twinkies or any of that stuff. So it's funny when my wife and I first started dating, um, you know, which would have been 25 years ago, her family was the exact opposite. She longed for fresh fruit and vegetables because her, her her mom was a terrible cook. That is and, really and, funny. And really didn't understand uh-huh. nutrition. So, you know, a can of corn was like her mom's idea right. of, of health. Right. And, uh, they had this huge drunk, junk fruit drawer with all these, the Twinkies, and, the, and of course, every time I was at their house, I would just go to town on it. But, they, you know, that gets old after uh, after a couple of years. Yeah. You know, when you start living on your own and you realize, I can buy myself a, ding, a box of ding-dongs and eat as many as I want. Right. You, you know, at some point, you, it kind of plateaus. I suppose unless you have a, a, a food addiction, which I've, I've never... I've never struggled with food. I've, yeah, sometimes I've maybe medicated myself with it here or there for brief moments. But um, for the most part, it's, food's not been an issue for me. I feel pretty lucky about that. In fact, as a little kid, I because I was small for my age, I remember trying to eat as much as I could to put weight on. Hmm. Well, since you hosted dinner in a movie and you, and so much of that show revolved around food, did that ever become not become an issue? Well, you just said it didn't, mm-hmm. but like, did that ever did did focusing so much on food ever change your relationship with it during that time? Did you? See no, that? I've always been a a food lover. Like, mm-hmm. food has always been one of the great loves of my life. Tasting different food. What my my wife says like one of her favorite things in the world is to see me eating something that you know. I'm crazy about that and I think it's one of the one of the ways that she shows love to me is by cooking for me and she just loves seeing a happy reaction from me when I and she can tell instantly when I don't like something because I won't say it but she knows because she's not getting that reaction that that she loves will you eat something that you don't love Uh, I will take a couple of bites of it Um, sometimes I'll eat something that I don't love because I need to eat right Um, but there are very few things where I eat it and I'm like, that's terrible. Like, she'll think, this is terrible, this thing that I made. And I'll be like, it's okay. It's not bad. Right. And I'll eat it. I'll eat the entire thing. I oftentimes eat because I need to eat. Because you're hungry. Because you're I'm, actually hungry or because you need the energy, which... Usually uh, because I'm hungry, but sometimes because I need the energy. That's one of the things that depression can really screw with you is you're not hungry, but you need to eat. Mm-hmm. And... She probably a thousand times in our relationship has said, you need to eat. You don't eat enough. And I would say, but I'm not hungry. And she'd say, but you need to eat. You know, you've eaten, all you've eaten all day is a, a bowl of oatmeal and an apple. And you know, she was right, but depression kills your appetite. Absolutely. Do, do you consciously 
avoid certain foods when you're feeling depressed because you think it'll bring you to even more down or sugar with that sugar yeah okay. i avoid i avoid um especially eating uh sugar on an empty stomach mm-hmm. i try never to eat sugar on an empty stomach because that makes what happens me, makes to me, you? it makes me crash it brings me up really quick mm-hmm. and then i get um tired and depressed afterwards okay. but i'll eat sugar i don't eat sugar around the house at all but sometimes uh-huh. i'll eat uh sugar like out for dinner, I'll have I'll have desserts. So you're much more of a savory, yeah, savory kind of person. What would what's some of your what it like? So so if you're chicken going tiki out, masala, okay, with, <laughs> with basmati rice, that's what you could eat forever. I could eat it forever uh, if it's done if it's done right. Because who, who does it right? Uh, Taj Mahal on oh. on, uh, on Ventura and Encino. They're on the second floor of like a little strip mall, oh. and it's the greatest chicken tiki masala I've ever had. It's Their basmati rice is better than any basmati rice I've ever had. What's so great about it? I don't know. I don't know how <laughs> to describe it. it? it no. It's just, it's really <laughs> fragrant and it's just fluffy and you know, it's just perfect. Everything about it is perfect. But my wife can't really I shouldn't say she can't eat anything there. There's nothing there that she really likes. She's, she's a, a vegetarian. Uh-huh. And really closer to a vegan than a vegetarian, but she does eat fish. Uh-huh. Um, and it, she doesn't like anything there. And she didn't like the some of the staff there. She heard that they were mean to, to, to their Workers? underlings. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so she never wants to go back there. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I don't <laughs> this chicken tiki masala is so good. You could be beating your waiter in it, front of me and I'd be like, yeah, can you bring me uh, an extra... Well, that's interesting that you live in a... Because I'm in a mixed marriage as well, where mm-hmm. Abe is a vegetarian. He has been since he was 10. And I'm not... Excuse me, i got to go get Julius's ball. Continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Julius, how did you get it back here? No. <laughs> so how does that work? How does that work in your household? It, it, you know, sometimes it can be a real pain in the ass trying to find a place for us to go eat there aren't many places where she can get you know there may be something that technically she could eat but it she doesn't like and i'm probably easier to to please but she's very sensitive about wanting me to eat food that i enjoy she will she's probably more invested in me eating something i like than i am because Which is, she uses it as a source of happiness. I I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just been always. She's Italian, and and I think that that's just a you feed people. That's yeah. that's how you that's how you show love. Um, one of the ways you show love, and um, so it's hard sometimes finding a place for both of us to eat. But the the one place that we find that we can both always find something to eat is Hugo's. Oh yeah. And we, it has such a huge menu. We know the entire staff there like by name. We probably eat there four times a week. What's your favorite things to get there? There's the, the thing that's great about Hugo's is there's like 10 different things that I love. And she tends to get the same thing over and over and over again until she burns out on it and then mm-hmm. she goes to something else. Um, but my favorite things are um, their cheeseburgers are really good. Their Caesar salads are amazing. Their... Um, their specials. I eat their specials a lot because we eat there so much. I like getting a special because I know it's not something I'm going to get burned out on. You know, just as I get 
start to think I've had enough of it, it's gone off the menu. So I always try to get the, the specials first, but they do like great skirt steaks and flank steaks and stuff like that. They're really good with um, Hispanic cuisine. Uh, you know, a lot of places kind of, I don't know, there's, there's, you can tell that there's no authenticity to it, but there's like an authenticity to their Hispanic cuisine that, mm-hmm. that makes it really good. Um, their Indian food. Uh, it sounds like you're picky about your Indian food. I really am. It's, it's, once you've had good Indian food, when somebody doesn't do it right, it's such a disappointment. It's kind of like, it's kind of like pizza. Um, and then it's not hard to do pizza halfway decent, but you know, don't, don't use cheese that isn't meant for pizza for pizza. Well, so okay, so you're not into the whole Californication of. I don't. I'm not. That I'm not. Apo- I'm not opposed to that. Like one of my favorite places to eat is uh, Mozza. Uh huh. And it's they definitely push it to the outer limits of what's been done on pizza before, but there's a. An authenticity to it you know Mario Batali is Italian and you can't help but have that feel for your ethnicity's food and it comes right. through even when he's he's trying to push the the outskirts of what's been done on pizza before do you like uh, Chicago deep dish pizza? Is that yes, your... but there's only one place that I really love. Is it Hollywood Pies? No. Is it Masa? No, I haven't okay. been to any of these places. Okay, so tell me. Are those, places. those are, those are two in... places that are known? No, they're here. Oh. Oh, okay. No, I don't no. go to places. You don't, you don't go no, here. That's, that, that's... I, I will try one every once in a while. You know, if there's no other choice and the people I'm with want to want to go there like I was in London one time when we went to a Chicago style deep dish place and I was right. like I wanted to burn the place down it right. was like how you can't even call this pizza let alone deep dish pizza I'd be curious but, to think hear what you think we would think about these well things. once again it's like it's like the, the the Indian food at at Taj Mahal there's a place um, called Gino's East in Chicago that heard of it, that yeah and their recipe changed about 15 years ago, and I'm told that they there was some type of divorce within the company, and the recipe for the crust went with the person who took it to the suburbs, and the person who had the ones in the city didn't have the original crust anymore. And I could tell. I, I went there, and I was it was still really good deep dish pizza, but what made their deep dish pizza different than anybody else's was this secret crust that they protected the recipe like nobody knew how to make it except for the owner that's made with cornmeal and like a slice of their pizza probably weighs more than a pound yeah but the crust you could hold it by the crust by the edge of the crust and it would stick straight (laughs) out it was so firm and crunchy but it also had kind of a fried corn taste to it but it also had that savory smell of the spices and the Italian cooking in the crust. And then the cheese was really, really great quality cheese and their sauce was good. And it was, I, there was no other place that I would eat myself to the point of, I don't know, of being sick, like mm-hmm. Gino's East Pizza. In fact, when I was there, it was the first time that the 
crust recipe had changed and I would it had been so long since I ate deep dish pizza and I didn't though I was disappointed the crust wasn't as good I ate an entire small pizza which probably could feed three adults yeah, they are really, really heavy. They're I had, really heavy. I had my first Chicago-style deep dish pizza. We got it to go, and it was on my lap, and I was like, this thing yeah. <laughs> weighs a ton, and it didn't even look that big. And I think I had, like, a slice, and I was good. And the, the thing that, that Chicago doesn't get enough respect for, too, in terms of pizza, is their thin crust pizza. There is huh. a particular... Um, thing to Chicago thin crust pizza it's completely different than um, East Coast style there's more toppings on it um, oftentimes it's square and not circular um, but they're my favorite thin crust pizza is Aurelio's pizza and I grew up across the street from the Aurelio family so I've eaten enough of it for the, where the average person would be like, I've had enough for a lifetime if it, if it was another food. But their thin crust pizza is so good. It's like the first thing I eat when I when I go back home. And I never get tired of it, ever. And I worked there as a kid. Oh, you did? I worked there for, you do? for five years. I started out as a busboy. <laughs> then I worked in the dish room. And then I was a pizza cook. You were a pizza cook? I was a pizza cook, yeah. But this place, Aurelio's Pizza, was such a popular pizza place and still is that... It was like in a, they would cook so many pizzas that like one person's job would just be to put cheese on pizzas. Another person's job would just be to, as they come out of the oven, cut it with the, the pizza cutter and put it in the box or put it on a tray if, if they were eating it there. Um, and my job for a couple of years was to cook the pizzas, which was kind of a... Um, kind of a dangerous job if you weren't really paying attention because the ovens were, I think, 550 degrees. Right. And you'd have, I think I think you'd probably be cooking maybe f- <laughs> 15 pizzas at once and each of them have to be rotated because they cook faster towards the outside because the, the brick walls of the oven are hotter oven. than in the center of the oven. So you would have to rotate them. You'd have to monitor them. And if one side was cooking a little too much, you'd have to reach in the back and pull one out. And there was like this special spatula that had hooks on it. But if you would reach in too quickly sometimes, your arm would hit the top of the oven, which ah. is 550 degrees. And you get... It, there. I had scars on my, <laughs> on my arm. Um, I don't really see them anymore, but... <laughs> That was probably one of my favorite jobs ever because there is a presence that you have to have when you're cooking that many things and the oven is that hot. And there's something that feels really good and primal about being around heat like that. Even if you're sweating your ass off, there was just something I never, it never felt like drudgery to me doing that work. I just loved how focused you could be and time would fly by and you could really like get into a rhythm you could get good with pulling the pizza pies around and rotating them and juggling them and 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 making sure that none of them ever burned and that the person that wanted this half of it cooked a little more got that done right and there was a, there was a real art to it and a real like athleticism 
to it that um, that I enjoyed. But I would eat pizza all the time. You there. just and cooked. You didn't just toss cooked. them or no, no, no. There was stuff. no cooking. Okay. There, there. They would cook them in these um, pizza pans, these oiled pizza pans, and it's what made their crust um, so good. Mm-hmm. It, it's and they don't wash the pans either, so you get oh, like a cast iron skillet. Exactly. So you get all of that flavor building up in it and yeah. their crust is like m- probably my favorite part of their pizza but they use great cheese and I think they have they have an exclusive um deal with their cheese maker so that nobody else has that that cheese and they give them enough business that right you know, right because they have franchises now really I have franchises all around and I keep bugging them to, to get to one LA. get one to, to come to LA um, but I could talk about their pizza for days, and they're they're a great family. You know, I'm still I'm still friends with uh, them. And... Do um, do you still cook or no? You don't. I don't know what happened. Some somewhere a couple of years into doing, and, and for like a while, I was making pizzas from scratch. I was cooking Thai food, and something I just hit a wall like a couple of years into doing dinner in a movie. And I don't know if it's because it felt like I was at my job. Mm-hmm cooking but I don't know if it was my alcoholism kicking in Mm -hmm. um, but I just stopped it was like a switch turned off and so you haven't cooked once no I'll cook I'll cook if I have to okay but does that ever when you're doing it does it ever feel good and you're like oh I should do this more and then you don't not really okay it mostly feels like I want to get through this to get to something else right but you enjoy the eating part a lot more oh yeah Uh, equally Oh yeah, or yeah, more. yeah, very much so. And I, I, I was a, a decent cook, um, but I think some of the luster went off it when I couldn't have a glass of wine anymore. Hmm. And that, for some reason, having a glass of wine when I was cooking just made it feel like there's no rush here. Um, this is a special thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why it went away when I when I quit drinking. Maybe that's when it went away. I'm I'm not really I can't put my finger on it. Do you still? Would you have like a a wine sauce or a wine cake or like something that was made with booze? Um, I try to avoid it, mm-hmm. but you know I'll eat I'll eat stuff sometimes that that has liquor in it if the if the liquor's been burned part, off. Been, been burned off. You know I usually ask the waiter. Um, you know, and I know when I take a bite of something, if it if it tastes like alcohol, right? I, and it's not like I think, oh, you know, I'm going to start drinking again. It's it's not a taste that I that I long for. I never never really ever enjoyed the taste of liquor in my food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, except for like wine being reduced to where it, you can't taste alcohol, but you just taste the the fruit of the of the wine in it. You know that that I enjoy, but um, I'm not like one of those purists where it's like, oh my God, there was, you know, an ounce of liquor that had been burned off in that. I'm a right. terrible person for right. having done that. My dad was a little bit that way with with stuff, and I was just like, you know, that's not the stuff that I need to be worried about. I no. need to be worried about the pint of Guinness when my feelings are overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, that's. The thing that's gonna gonna take me out, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't crave alcohol. Um, that probably about two years into I'm sorry two months into uh, sobriety, the obsession to drink and get high um, 
just kind of left. Do you ever, are there any other things like food-wise that you have given up? I think, like I mentioned before, I don't really eat McDonald's, although I loved Big Macs. And, you know, I wouldn't, I'm sure I've probably not eaten my last Big Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, but more because of the way they produce their food is why I don't eat McDonald's or Burger King anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I'm a, a huge hypocrite with, you know, eating yeah, other other foods. <laughs> and and I'm a hypocrite in that I don't want to know. I'm not ready to know how all of my food is prepared and where it comes from. And I feel kind of morally bad about that. But I got enough on my plate right now. I know. I'm going to take things one, one at a time. <laughs> and I hope I get to a place by the time I'm dead where, where I've... I'm feeling good and moral about everything that's on my plate, but I'm not there yet. I think it's like, I don't know, it's it's funny because like, <clears throat> food is so like personal and it's so, it's something that you have to actually deal with. Like everyone has to deal with it. And so I think it's, it's very interesting that you have been around it so much. You've mm-hmm. been around people with issues with it and yet it's still never... Never been an issue for never, you. And I'm, That's kind, and I'm kind, kind of amazing. amazing. I really am. I'm, I'm kind of amazed because I have an extremely addictive personality. And when I enjoy something, you know, I, I think like food, hockey, and playing guitar are like my three huge passions that have never spilled into. Well, I guess I don't. I don't know how hockey could become an addiction, um, but uh, those three things have never like edged out things in my life and been been like okay this is becoming a problem you're spending too much time doing this or this is too you know what whatever Uh, and so I'm grateful I'm grateful that I have (laughs) things that I love that that don't overtake don't overtake everything or become an obsession yeah you know woodworking for a brief while flirted in that territory I would be out at dinner with my wife and I would be thinking about getting back to the garage and how I'm going to cut this piece of wood and what I'm going to you know finish it with and what my next project is going to be and and I knew that wasn't healthy but I think I was distracting myself not to take away from my love of woodworking but I think I was distracting myself from um, inner pain that I w- would then address a couple of years later. Yeah. I think we should probably wrap up soon, but I okay. just wanted to... Um, I could talk to you all day. I know. I, swear I to feel God. like I could <laughs> keep on going. Like, well, there's another whole thing. Maybe when I turn the mic off, we'll, we'll talk. I was like, I want to delve deeper into this, but I think that'll take another 20 minutes. Um, it Just to... For, for a wrap up and end, just tell me a little bit about your favorite... Um, some of your favorite foods that I know you said chicken tiki masala, uh, but like some of your favorite foods maybe from childhood and that maybe you're still obsessed, not obsessed with, but that you still enjoy. That, and, and that bring up a, a, a feeling yeah. in me from, from childhood, yeah. a, a pleasant memory. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, enchiladas. Really? Yes. Enchiladas where they don't skimp on the cheese and they brown it just right. And the refried beans are great. And I've never cared that much for Mexican rice, but there's a place, probably my favorite Mexican place, um, or at least the place I go to most frequently is a place called El Rancho. And it's in um, Sherman Oaks 
on Ventura Boulevard, just east of um, Noble. And it is, I always, I always tell the, the owner there, George, he's a really nice guy. And I always tell him, the consistency of your food is so amazing. And for my birthday, when I was like 9, 10, 11 years old, I get to pick where I wanted to go for dinner. And there was this place in Chicago called La Posada. And they that was where I first had enchiladas. And so I would go there every year for my birthday. And it was it's probably one of my happiest food memories. And the enchiladas that they make at El Rancho taste exactly like the enchiladas oh at, at La Posada. And it, um, it just brings up such a warm, really... I don't know if the word is primal or or, or what, but a, just a visceral feeling, um, and I always always tell them how much their food means to me, and I think people forget to do that. People forget to compliment cooks and restaurant owners. Um, you know, they're they're spending eight hours a day doing this thing that brings people pleasure, and people forget sometimes that they like to hear how much their customers are being pleased. Yeah. Um, and so I always try to, to let him know how much how much his food means to me. And like at Hugo's, you know, like sometimes I'll tell the waiter or if I see a cook, there was a couple of cooks that were having a cigarette out in the parking lot one time and I just thought I enjoy these people's food so much I should tell these guys that probably never get any credit for it and I just said the food here is always so consistently good um, I just hope you guys know what a good job that you do and because um, I was I cooked in the restaurant business and yeah I took great pride in what I what I did and I never got to really interact with the customers and got to see the smiles on their faces and it would have been nice it would have been nice to to see that even though you know intellectually these people are enjoying the hell out of it there's something really nice about that connection when you see that smile no, absolutely i you know last night i think i made something for abe and i was like waiting for mm. a response but he was just like eating it happily and i was like is it good and he's like oh yes it's very good and i, was I like, forget <laughs> i forget to do that sometimes with my wife because i get so engrossed in the food i forget oh a person made this with love who you know they're food in that moment is my reaction and I forget because I'm a self-centered jackass sometimes (laughs) you're just into what you're into I'm into what I'm into you're being very present yeah (laughs) I'm I'm not a multitasker I literally can only focus on what the one thing that's right in front of me well thank you so much for focusing on this podcast (laughs) with me my pleasure my pleasure so as you can see there are some sound issues that we have to work through. Um, I'm literally using the same microphone I've been using to record podcasts since before podcasts were even uh, a a thing. Um, So, you know, we're working through the kinks. A lot of the noises you heard were Julius, my dog, making noises with a ball um, that we had to give him because he freaks out whenever people come over. So you'll just have to forgive that kind of stuff. Also, in case there were any parts of the conversation that were confusing, it's because I edited around a few things. So 
Okay, so I have my friend Sam on the phone who so graciously agreed to review a product for me that I was unable to review. Um, it's a super pretzel pretzel dog, um, which arrived on your doorstep, correct? It did, on ice. Whoa, dry ice? Okay, so it came in a cooler. You shoved it in your freezer until you were ready to use it? I did, and there were two different types there, the plain and the cheddar. And you do try both? We did try both at the same time. So can you describe exactly what the super pretzel dog is? I think people are familiar with with the super pretzel, which is a very large pretzel, which you can find in the, your freezer section or also in, like, concession stands at, at games and stuff. Yes. And then the dog part, they were, like, little hot dog bites that were, you know, surrounded by super pretzel. Wait, so they were bites? They weren't a giant pretzel? No, they weren't. I'm trying to... Check and see. I don't think, I think the super pretzel, it's like the super pretzel material around the dogs. But they were bites. They were, if I look at pictures, soft pretzel mini beef hot dog bites. Okay. So, like mini ones. And they're 12 in a package. Did, did you feel as though you got the super pretzel experience and a hot dog experience that were... Elevated by the inclusion of one another, or do you feel like you'd rather have one on what, them separately? I, I love them together. I love pretzels. I love hot dogs. You know, I believe you asked me to do this because I am a huge fan of hot dogs. Um, and I actually, I like the two of them together. I thought they were really good. So how do you, how did you cook it? Do you microwave it or do you toast it or? I think you can microwave it. We put it in the oven. You can uh, put it in the oven or the microwave. I did the oven because I wanted, you know, crispy pretzel. Uh, yes. And, and, and was it, did it achieve crispness? It did. Not as fast as I'd hoped. In fact, it seemed to take a little longer to cook than the package said. But, um, but ultimately, I did have, like, a crispy on the outside chewy pretzel with a hot dog inside. I think I did. I think I did five minutes extra. And it was it was a decent hot dog. It was. I mean, they're beef hot dogs, which I prefer. I prefer beef hot dogs. I think they they taste better. And so there was the plain ones that have the beef hot dogs, and then the other ones were beef and cheddar hot dogs. And I have to admit that I haven't had like a, a cheese dog, cheese hot dog thing since I was a kid. I don't know if you had those when you were a kid, but do you remember the, like, there were hot dogs and you cut them in the middle and there was, there was, like, cheese in there. I've never had one that I didn't make myself. I've never... I just remember these from when I was a kid. Like, it, it almost, it's not like there's a huge, like, you know, gush of cheese. It's kind of just in there a bit. Oh, like an American cheese sliced, embedded in... 
or cheddar yeah, in this like case. Little bits of cheddar embedded in a beef hot dog. Oh, okay. Oh. And, um, so no melting action happened? Not really. You couldn't really tell by looking um, which ones were the uh, cheddar dogs, but I think you could tell by taste. The plain ones were very good. They tasted like beef hot dogs and pretzels. But the ones with the cheese were definitely seemed juicier, and I ate these with two other people as well, my friend Dave and my fiancé, John, and everybody preferred the cheddar because it gave it a little bit of a tang. Hmm. So, yeah. Even without the melt, the flavor delivered. I said even without the cheesy melt, the flavor still delivered. Yeah. And both of them were juicy. That's one thing. The hot dogs were good. The hot dogs were good and juicy. But the cheddar one, I don't know. There was something about the cheddar ones that we loved. Okay. So. Well, thank you, Sam, for taking the time to experience the hot dog pretzel connection and for taking the time to talk with me about it. No problem. <laughs> I would eat them again. Wait, oh, one more question. Did they require dipping? Like, would you have been able to be okay without dipping or did you did you dip? I'm probably not the person to ask because I don't do condiments that much. Uh-huh. Um, like, I don't eat mustard. I don't eat ketchup. You eat a hot dog plain without anything. Yeah, sometimes I will add cheese to it. Sometimes when I'm feeling particularly self-destructive, I'll add salt to it. Uh, I I just don't dip my hot dogs that much. Um, it would have been very easy to dip. They were good without dipping. They weren't dry. Uh-huh. So, uh, but they, they actually would be nice for dipping if I liked to dip stuff. Right. You know, they're little tiny bites, so very conducive to dipping. One one would dip. No one else dipped? One would dip. No one else there dipped? Well, they ate at my house, and I don't own mustard or ketchup, so they couldn't. When you're at Sam's house, there is no dip. Your sandwiches will be dry. <laughs> okay, thanks, Sam. So that's it. That's episode one of The Actor's Diet. Um, thank you for tuning in. I hope you tune in again. I hope you subscribe on iTunes, write reviews, because I think that's the only way that people are going to find this if you spread the word. And I think uh, from my experience podcasting years and years ago, the the ones that get listened to are the ones that have uh, reviews and ratings. Good ratings, by the way, not bad ratings. I mean, you can give me a bad rating. I'm not going to hold it against you because everyone is entitled to their own opinion but it would help if they could stay positive so um yeah tune in next time whenever that may be and in the meantime follow my blog theactorsdiet.com see you later